Happy New Year, and welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. We thank you for joining us for tonight's special message on spiritual resolution. As always, we invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. For more teachings, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. You may also contact Pastor John by email at thewayministries zero zero one at gmail.com. All right, the spirit is on the move from here on in, okay? Sadly, today, us modern Christians that are pursuing resolutions, okay, are likely to think, what about diet and exercising? Today, losing weight and getting more exercise are about the extent of our resolutions. We summon up our willpower, self-scrutiny, and self-discipline in an attempt to look and feel better. Can I get an amen for that? <clears throat> you ask most people, they're going to make New Year, uh, I'm going to get on track with my eating and I'm going to start going to the gym and exercise. You hear that all the time, 99.9% of the time. Our effort at self-improvement, though, so strenuous to engage, all the power, might, vigor, and vehemence, yeah, willpower I'm capable of, is that of us who are fully informed. Now we're talking about Christianity now, okay? We're talking about Christians who are, fil- are fully informed, but not transformed by the Word of God in the gospel of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We exercise our will, which is the flesh, while knowing that our will, the flesh, is in bondage. We resolve to be righteous while knowing that our righteousness did not earn our salvation. We scrutinize ourselves while knowing that our spiritual eternal security resides outside of ourselves, in the objective fact of Christ's atonement for our sins. Can I get an amen for that? But we still... Many of the Puritans, right? I did a study on this. I did a search for this, so pay attention. There's a lot in here that we can grasp, okay, for this new year. Many of the Puritans' habits and habits of mind, they work ethic, their self-discipline, their moral seriousness, persisted long after the eclipse of their theology. To be taken up by Enlightenment secularists, social gospel liberals, and Victorian materialists. Benjamin Franklin, as a matter of fact, started a similar program of resolutions in self-scrutiny. Franklin set forth 13 resolutions that were built around rational virtues such as thrift, moderation, and chastity. Now listen to this. Paying such attention to oneself when separated from a biblical self-examination designed to provoke repentance would bear another kind of fruit, which is called romanticism. Now, romanticism, does anybody know what the definition to that is? That is the exaltation of self, of man, saying, I'm the one that's doing this. So that's what it produces. We also scrutinize our inner life, okay? As like we do with our outward life, like resolutions and cultivate our inner emotions which we associate with our spiritual state. We integrate Christian sensibility in which the spirit, the intellect, and the emotions each have their place. 
These human powers would become disassociated into the conflicting movements of the Enlightenment, which is the spiritual awakening without Christ, okay? Romanticism, which is the exaltation of self or man, and modernism, which is intellectualizing, degrading supernatural elements, okay? Can I get an amen for that? All right, if you're listening up, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Can I get an amen for that? All right. Which doesn't complete us. It only leaves us more empty and wanting. We never get fulfilled by any of that. We are certainly not to blame for the obsession of the self that characterizes American culture, okay? And even many strains of American Christianity. Our bestseller list tests values of self-help, self-reliance, and self-improvement. Many of our pulpits resound with social gospels and legalism. But even conservative Christians, okay, sometimes fall into the trap of paying too much attention to themselves. Okay, am I really saved? We can sometimes wonder looking at our inner lives and hidden sins and finding all too little evidence of our holiness, our salvation, or our sanctification. Can I get an amen for that? All right. <laughs> we have to admit our own resolutions to improve our lives, however well-intentioned and sincerely meant, often have little effect. We cannot even keep our resolutions to lose weight or work out at a gym, much less eliminate our sins of what? Lust, self-indulgent, uh, indulgence, bitterness, resentment, and hatred towards others. We would surely would agree with Martin Luther, who was in his spiritual counseling, would urge tormented souls to stop looking at themselves. Instead, they should look outside themselves to the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that? Salvation both would exist or outside ourselves, founded on the unshakable grace of God and on the other objective work of Christ. When we look outside us, inside ourselves, we see our sins and our weaknesses. Can I get an amen for that? Leading us only to despair. But when we look outside ourselves to the promises of God's word, we can find joy, confidence, and assurance. Amen? All right. I just wanted to get that out. How did that sound? Good? I really took me time to put that together. And that's the truth. Thank you for letting me share that because Christianity has turned into self-help programs instead of depending on Jesus. We're missing the whole mark. We come to church week in and week out still full of self-indulgence, still full of greed, still trying to self-improve knowing that we can't. We're in, we know that we can't and we still try. When the unbelieving world tries, they know they ain't gonna, but they keep trying anyway. But we should know better as Christians that we can't depend on our flesh. We have to depend on what? Jesus. The solution. All right, now we're going to look at the resolution from a spiritual point, okay? Now we're going to go into some scriptures. Believe me, I got into this. I said, you know what? We need to get some, we're going to get some food here. For this new year. We need to get fed some real stuff. We need to get into this year the right way. God's way. Not adapt the, uh, the way the world does it. 
All right. So is everybody with me so far? All right. We're going to just get warmed up. New Year's resolutions from a spiritual standpoint. Or we can say our sanctification from a spiritual perspective. We can still make our better goals in our life to become more like Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. All right, I'm going to do this or that differently in this new year. Did I ever get that one? And I mean this this time. This year I'm really going to do it. Who hasn't set off with great intentions on January 1st? As a matter of fact, we've got a great intention. We're here at church tonight. It fell right on New Year's. And that's not a coincidence. And there's no coincidence why everybody wanted to come. Because we know there's no other solution out there. Thank God. Well, at least we're smart enough to know that. But the Bible tells us that like sheep, we're prone to wander. So even as we come to church, read our Bible, our human mind and intellect still tries to wander towards the way to the world. Who hasn't set off? By the end of the first month, however, things often seem to have settled back into the status quo mode. So there is a solution to this resolution riddle okay in this new year's quandary is there actually yes there is okay i'm here to tell you that there is and believe it or not the solution is found in that book you got in your hand the bible the solution is in the bible okay wow that's rocket science right when we approach this issue from a spiritual perspective now, listen up, we begin to see things in a new light, okay? And it is extremely liberating and empowering. First of all, you'll need to acknowledge that self or the flesh has often gotten the best of you. Can I get an amen for that? And still continues to get the best of us. And you'll need to acknowledge that self has often gotten the best of you. And it seems like the more you try to control yourself, the more self pushes into the opposite direction. Can I get an amen? So what's going on here? Is there any hope of gaining true self-control? Or am I simply destined to be dragged around by my flesh for the rest of my life? Now Christians can get frustrated with this, Amen. All right, so let's start in Romans 7, and we're going to work from there. This inner struggle that we have. It says, look in verse, uh, Romans 7, verse 14. So it's saying, so the trouble is not with the law or the word of God, for it is spiritual and good. So we know one thing. The Bible is spiritual and the Bible is good. Amen? Now you got people out there saying, that's just a book written by men. Don't read that. It's not good for you. It's going to brainwash you. And that's exactly what the world needs to get brainwashed. Because they're washed into the wrong direction. So we know that the Bible is spiritual and good, and even the Apostle Paul recognized that. The trouble is with me. Here it goes again. It all falls back to me. Look. For I am all too human, a slave to sin, or a slave to my flesh. 
I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, it's not like we haven't heard this before. When you put it into the right perspective, though, it takes on more power. So we can understand, as we go into this new year, what we're up against. Look what it says. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. It's that old sin nature. And I know that nothing good lives in me. Now, Apostle Paul, which is probably pending the, the most powerful apostle in the Word of God, says, And I know that nothing good lives in me, in my sinful nature. See, that is in my sinful nature or my flesh. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not the real, really the one who's doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And when you become a Christian, you are aware that you have a sin nature. When you were not a Christian, you were not even aware of that. Now that you are a Christian, you are aware that you have a sin nature. It's sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life. Verse 20, 21. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law or God's word with all my heart. But there is another power or law within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Now, how could we think that we can improve that? We're a slave to it. We can't improve that. We cannot improve our sin nature with our nature. Obviously, and it says, look at verse 24. This is why before you were a Christian, it didn't bother you and you weren't even as miserable as you are now when you fall into sin. Because you didn't even recognize you were in sin. You thought it was just the way the world was. But now that you're a Christian, you recognize it. It makes you miserable. Can we actually sit here and we can say amen to that, right? We come into Christianity and we ain't become miserable. And most people don't understand the Word of God and not taught properly, walk away from Christianity because they say this is harder than it was before I came. Because they didn't recognize it before. Ignorance was bliss. Now ignorance isn't bliss anymore. Now we're, we're aware of it. So we can't, we can't blame what I didn't know. Now look what it says. Who will free me from this life okay, that is dominated by sin and death? And there's just such a simple solution. It's so simple. Look, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, this place up here, this war, right? In my mind, see what it says? <laughs> in my mind, I really want to do God's will, right? Obey God's law. Really want to do His will, right? You get up with a good intention and you want to do it. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin still. So we have to understand that trying to do it with willpower and self-help will never conquer it. It will never conquer it. There's no such thing as improving the sin nature. The sin nature, Jesus says it has to go to the cross and it has to die. The problem is we never bring it there. 
because some of it we still like. The New Testament, okay, presents a revolutionary approach to controlling self. Once Jesus Christ arrived on the scene, self was in for a rude awakening. A Christian can come, can come to understand the difference between yourself and who you want to be in Christ. We can see the difference now. When you, when you understand that the, what the Bible teaches about self, you begin to gain an awareness that a new you is definitely within reach. After all, it won't really be you anyway. It will be Christ living in you. See? This is the problem. We go to self-help and we take glory. This is what I conquered. When you know before you became a Christian, you couldn't conquer any of it. And even after you become a Christian, you still want to take credit for something only God can do, and he doesn't get the glory. It's called pride. And that what? That deflects our relationship with God. It comes back into willpower, and then you end up falling again. Or you get into religion. As we continue, are you with me so far? Oh, this is going to be really good. we got more here. And that right there is the key to any New Year's resolution. Christ living in you. Right? The only way to get victory over yourself or your flesh is to get connected with the one who won the ultimate victory over man's sin. When Jesus died and rose again, man's self had a very bad day. It was the beginning of the end of self in the lives of those who could come to learn the biblical secret. What's the biblical secret? Go to Colossians 1, verse 27. Talk about Revelation. Colossians 1, 27. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, Christ lives in you. That is the secret. From now on, as a believer, Christ is living in you. And to grow, he wants to live his life through you. Can I get an amen for that? This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So you become part of God's family and then to share the glory of God by letting him live his life through you and building his kingdom while we're here. He actually gives us a new purpose for living. He gives us the real reason why we were created. And when we find what the real reason is why we're created, we can put to death self. That's the only way it will ever take place. After becoming a believer, the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4, go there. After becoming a believer. Look, everybody in this room is a believer, right? Okay. So God gave us his book. With the instructions on how to live after you do become a believer, amen? 
It's right here. And it's not that really hard to understand. It says, look what he says. I have learned, look what it says in Philippians 4.12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Okay? I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Listen, every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty. Now, it just doesn't mean that you're hungry or not. It could be if you're full in your mind or not. You know how you're emotionally, right? It goes either way. Full of joy or full of what? Fear. It doesn't matter. Whatever the situation might be, all right? It's, yeah, you can't take it literally. It's a metaphor. With plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ or the Greek for the one who gives me strength. That's how we can do it. Do you realize the power is in this? And we just opened up a door, an opportunity for each and every one of you to get connected with God again by reading through the Bible in the year with guess who? With me. Every day you'll get a portion of the Bible and you'll be able to get fed. And you learn how to grow. And when you start seeking this stuff, and this is how you start to gain power over your flesh. And we're providing an opportunity for you to do that. And it's not me, it's what's in here. I'm just a representative. Just like when uh, they send someone out of the country to represent our country. Right? Ambassador. We're ambassadors for Christ. I'm not Christ. I'm his ambassador. I'm giving out his word to you. And you grow and you give out your word, his word to someone else. And you live the word. It becomes part of your life. We're all his ambassadors. Can I get an amen for that? But you have to understand, you can't be his ambassador when you're the president. That's the problem. Self is the problem. You can't be his ambassador when you're the chief. Can't get any amen for that. And this is the process of sanctification of putting our flesh to death as we grow in Christianity. And if we don't, if that doesn't happen, we become miserable Christians. Because we're really not doing what God created us to do. We're still trying to glorify ourselves and still satisfy ourselves. And not gratify and glory God. Very simple, but so hard. Can't get any men for that. Okay. So how can, this, how can that be? How is that possible? How can someone, listen now. Give me your attention now. Don't think about anything else right now. This is important. Think about it. How is it possible? How can someone have contentment even when self is being deprived of certain things? How could you be content when you're being deprived of something? Think about that now. For a Christian, the old self was a life where self was on the throne. What self wanted, self tended to get. It began at an early age and continued into the adult years, or at least until self was disposed from the throne as Jesus came to reign there. See, Jesus has, you have to get off the throne, and Jesus has to get on the throne. Now listen, when Jesus on the throne of a believer's heart, self doesn't really know what to do. Okay? 
And so it is best to just forget about yourself and concentrate on Christ. When a Christian does that, life seems to flow quite peacefully on the inside. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul now. Am I getting through all right tonight? Amen. While I was praying, I said, Lord, let this get through. Let me say it right. Let me just do it right for your people. Because I can't get it right. It says in verse 12, okay? Philippians 3, verse 12. Apostle Paul was a very humble man. And he actually seen the risen Christ. The only one who ever did. Look what it says. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection or maturity, but I press on, look, to possess. Now, we know what that word possess means, right? When you say you're possessed by the devil, that means the devil just possesses you. When you can't control what comes out of you, the devil has you. But look what it says. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Remember when you first accepted him? He came into your life and he took over. He just possessed you. You were full of joy and nothing could get in there. That moment you got saved, you found clarity, you found truth, and there was joy there. You were possessed by Christ. Amen, right? But he's pressing on to keep that. You see what he's saying? Look. I possessed that, that first possessed me. But he's saying, as I go on in this Christian life, it tends to get weakened, the possession of Christ, and I get more possessed by my flesh again. He's trying to say he hasn't achieved it yet. And listen, none of us have. So as Christians, we have to give ourselves a break. Understand I'm a work in progress. God's working in me. This year's a new year. He's going to sanctify me more this year. But I have to let him. Now look what it says. It says, No, dear brothers and sisters, verse 15, I have not achieved it. Some manuscripts read, not yet achieved it. But I focus on one thing. Now, as you come into this year, the Bible is telling us what to focus on. Look at this. Forgetting the past. One of the things that hold us in bondage is our past. Forgetting the past. Look at it. Listen. Forgetting the past and look forward to what lies ahead. As we what? Grow in Christ and we get into his ministry and we start to grow as a church. We get focused on that's the goal now. Not what already happened. You can't do anything about that. The devil keeps bringing that back up to take us out of today and the glory of tomorrow. Amen? Thank you. Look. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. What's the problem? It's hard for us to forget the past. We hold on to resentment, bitterness. Even with God, when things don't go our way in the past. Now, why did you let that happen? And we start to get what? Trust issues with God. Can I get an amen with that? Come on, we can be real here. It's a real church. We're sick. We're getting healed. I got trust issues with God when things don't go my way. But anybody that has a good father does. Because a good father does things that you might not like, but it's good for you. You won't see it till later. When you look back 20, 20, you say, boy, God had his hand in me when I was doing all that nasty stuff and he still protected me. But I had to go through that to find him. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me that brokenness because he turned that into a precious pearl. He made a diamond out of dust. He uses us. 
Ones that know ain't nothing good in us. So we can glorify Him who is now living in us and through us. So then you say to yourself, why would I have to go through all that? To realize that you can't do it. You need to get broken so you can realize that He's going to put you back together. And then now you've got to glorify Him with that, not yourself. Now, let's keep going. Look what it says. Look what he says in verse 14. Now, you're in a new year. I press on to reach the end of the race. Not go back to the beginning of it. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. What's the prize? All the fruits of the Spirit. Eternal life now. Being able to live in peace and, and, and happiness and joy down here. While we wait to go home to be with him. So we're not miserable Christians down here. So people are going to say, I don't want nothing to do with Christianity. Look how miserable they are. And hypocrisy. All kinds of nasty stuff they say about us. Because we can't show any testimony. Because they don't really know why we got saved. We think we got saved so we can just keep serving ourselves. No, we got saved so we can die to ourselves. That's what needs to show up. And then when we don't get our way, we get mad at God. Say, God, I went to you. you how come you're not blessing me? I am blessing you by killing you. Which is the problem to begin with. But we, want, we see the problems outward. It's the world. It's them. It's these people. Instead of saying it's something it's a condition with me that I was born with. I was born with a defect. It's called a sin nature. I got a birth defect. I'm selfish. I'm born with that selfishness. And you know it because you know even the little kids, right? They get a little bit old enough, they know how to manipulate. They're already on it. You don't have to teach them how to do wrong. They're already on it. You're going to teach them how to do good. Because they know how to do bad already because it's already in them. So I was born with a birth defect. And so was everybody that was born into this world. So there's nobody should be thinking anybody's better than anybody else. We're all born with the same stuff. It's called a rotten sin nature. And it's selfish and self-centered at its core. It's self-absorbed. Can I take that into Christianity? Absolutely, we always do. That's the problem. Now look what it says. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But look what it says in verse 16. But we must hold on to the progress we already made. See, we're all making progress. All the devil keeps us in our failures. Think about all the stuff you already overcame. Not the, not the, not the defeats, the, the victories. Like you're sitting in Bible study on New Year's Day. Most people can't get out of bed on New Year's Day. Because they can't even see any. They're so hungover, they can't see. They self-indulge so much that they can't even get up. Well, that really helped. Some people wait all year just to do that. Oh, I can't wait to do that. Right, I can't wait to get wet. A million people around me, people throwing up on me, and I can't wait to like wake up and can't, I can't even walk. Oh, I can't wait for the next year to come. The devil has us in a trap. There's no joy in that. That's gratification of the flesh, and there's always a problem with that. 
On the other hand, when we allow self to push its way back into our equation, we run into trouble. Here we go. Okay, we run into trouble again. The toughest part about New Year's resolution isn't merely the need for perseverance. There's something even deeper going on. We actually need to com a complete makeover at a spiritual level. We need total transformation. And we don't get totally transformed in a minute. That's our sanctification process. Can I get an amen for that? Everybody wants it instantly. I've been a Christian for this long. I should be better. No, you are getting better. You're recognizing how bad you are by saying that. Before you recognize how bad everybody else was. Now you're starting to recognize how bad I am. That's progress. <laughs> we need, we need transmit. And the only way that can happen is with Christ on the throne and self out of the way. How many times do I say, John, you better stay home today? I always get in the way of the Lord doing his will. I can't blame it on the world. Now is the awesome opportunity to show Christ living in us because the world is full of darkness. If anything, it's the best time to shine. The devil don't want that. No, 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 no. We all have a natural tendency to jump right in there and get our own way. But the Christian life offers a much better approach. It's supernatural, okay? It involves our creator. And it begins and continues as a life of faith, as well as a daily reliance upon him who gives his life for our sins on the cross. You see, Jesus died to save us, and also lead us. He didn't just die to save us, he died to lead us too. Can I get an amen for that? Okay. When we try to lead ourselves, we find that self messes things up in our attitudes, our relationships, and our mental concentration. Now, now you can just do this little evaluation. How's my attitude? Okay, think about it. Now you know if God's working or you are. How is my relationships with people right now? Right? And how's my mental concentration? Am I in church thinking about what's going on out in the world? Now we know who's controlling our life, self or Jesus. When everything else is, when your attitude is on Christ and thinking of His glory, and when your relationships are accepting others where they're at, forgiving them as God has forgiven you, then you know you're on the right path and Jesus is living through you. And then how is your what? What's the next one? Your mental concentration. When it comes to, they call it ADHD, when it comes to that, it gets into my prayer life real fast. I'm trying to make prayers and remember things that I wanted to pray for, and all of a sudden things start coming into my head and I can't focus on anything. I have to reset myself. Lord, please. I want to focus on you. Help me. And I got to reach for him again because my natural self starts drifting. This is something that we always got to do. In mental concentration, our self is completely unreliable and thoroughly self-absorbed. Right? I'm praying, then I think of what I got to do after, I, after I'm done praying already. I'm already getting self-absorbed while I'm praying. Right? Can I get an amen? See? We're relating here, right? This is what real church is, a hospital for healing people. If we all had it all together, then we wouldn't need Jesus. But we continue to need him. Thank you. 
I don't, and I don't feel like I'm the only one that goes through this. <laughs> that is the nature of self. Meanwhile, the nation of Christianity is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? That's us. Colossians 1.27. New Year's resolutions tend to be all about me convincing myself that I can do it. Christianity, on the other hand, involves the mindset which believes Philippians 4.13. Let's go there. This is our mindset. Christianity has involved a mindset which believes Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Can I get an amen for that? That's what our thinking should be. Next time you're falling on your face, saying, I can do that through Christ. I can't do it by getting on the phone with somebody. I can do it with Christ who gives me the strength. I need to rely on what the promises of God are. And that's what we've been teaching on for the past month. The promises of God. That's what we have to use. That is much different approach than the typical pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. It is Christ in us that matters. That is where we receive the power, the peace, and the sustained spiritual momentum, which is so critical for any worthwhile resolution to be accomplished. Amen? Okay. Oh, we're going along pretty good here. Resolutions without Christ are the center, at the center are misguided. Why? Because they are being done for the wrong person. When you are doing something for self rather than for Christ, you find that self never seems to get enough. Self always wants more of your time and your focus and your efforts. In the end, you'll find self to be an unrelenting taskmaster. We think that going to Jesus is a taskmaster. Our self is a taskmaster. We're never satisfied with anything. Christ, on the other hand, will gently guide us and lead us if we are willing to be led by him. Amen? All right, let's go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. We're almost done here. Am I getting through all right? Amen. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. I've got a good closing scripture for us, too. Let the Spirit speak. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, look at verse 28 of Matthew 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Now, you're coming into this new year. Are you weary? Are you carrying heavy burdens? Should we be? No, we shouldn't be because we already know that Jesus told us to give it to him. But if we're still carrying it, that means we're still trying to improve ourselves. Very simple. I don't care how many times you come to church or how many times you read the Bible, you're still looking for self-improvement. Instead of what? Let God take over you. Jesus, come to me all who are weary and carry, and I will give you rest. Now listen to what it says. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, we hear that all the time, right? But see how much it fits into this situation? So if I'm going into the year heavy with burdens, then I'm saying, we're saying when I'm not finding any rest for my souls because I'm not trusting in Jesus. 
I don't care how many times I come to church. I'm just playing religion. I'm not really trusting what I'm reading or believing it. And this is where the danger of religion comes in. It doesn't give you any, it doesn't really fix you. And that's why we end up getting miserable because we're trying to perform when God already performed. He did the performing. He wants us to sit at his feet and let us teach him. He says, let me teach you, not you teach yourself. See, self-help is some another person. Self-help is letting somebody, a person, help another person. Helping self. The blind leading the blind. That's why countries can't make it. Look, we've got, we got people running the country that have just got the same nature as I got. We all got it, so how can we expect them to be a savior? They can't save us. There's only one savior, and he ain't coming back. He's coming back soon. I know he is. And when he does, he'll settle all accounts. And if you leave it in his hands, you'll have a peaceful down here. You'll have peace. If you just trust he's coming, it's all said it was going to happen. I can't get in the way of it. There's no way I can change it. I can only pray that he comes soon to get take care of it. And we can only pray that we can get as many people as we can into his kingdom before it happens. That's the goal. You get any goals in your life? Set a goal to become more like Jesus this year. Now look what it says. Our self makes constant demands. Christ, on the other hand, offers us something. He offers us an abundant life, but we must be willing to say goodbye to self and hello to a new life in Christ. Galatians 2.19. Two more verses. This was time just right. Oh, maybe more than two. We'll see. This is, this is awesome. This is an awesome verse right here. I hope you can take this one to heart. This is what growing up spiritually is all about. Galatians 2.19, Apostle Paul. When I tried to keep the law, okay, outwardly, help, self, self-help, it condemned me. When I try to help myself and do things by my standards, it condemned me. When I try to help myself, it condemned me because I couldn't do it. So I died to the law or to myself. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. See it? My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I live in this earthly body now is by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see it? Bless you. Perhaps the best New Year's resolution you and I could make would be this. I will bring things to Jesus the moment they become even a minor issue in my thinking. Why is that mindset so critical? Because we often start out trying to solve a problem by looking to ourselves for the answer. That is where we make our first and biggest mistakes. Whoever said self could do a better job of dealing with the issue than Jesus? But we have to train ourselves to rely on Christ. Amen? It's a training process. That's what sanctification is. We go into school. Not only for salvation, but also for everything we go through in life. We do that by saying no to self and then coming to Jesus about anything and everything that is upsetting our peace in Christ. That includes thoughts, attitudes, Speech, behavior, moods, and relational pressures. Now, do you go to Jesus for all that? 
The Bible tells us, put a God over my mouth, right? So I might not sin against you, right? Attitude, control my thoughts and attitudes, right? My behavior, let me be like Christ, Christ-like attitude, right? My mood, was Jesus ever in a bad mood? No, he was just happy he was here. God created him. Relational pressures. How about your relationships? Anybody having pressures in their relationships right now? Are we giving them to Jesus? Are we praying to him? Lord, please, help me be able to accept the situation I'm in. And please, if the other one needs to make changes, please, Lord, you do it, because I can't. You ever try to change somebody? Go ahead, try it. Try to change yourself. Go ahead, you can't even do that. How are you going to change someone else? <laughs> if we delay in bringing it to the Lord, we find that self is usually more than ready to tackle the problem. Right? See, here's the thing. Growing spiritually is understanding when that issue comes to go right to Christ with it and not to act on your first impulse, which is the flesh. I'm going to take care of this. That's where growing up comes in. Spiritual growth comes in. And Delane, look, we find that self usually more than ready to tackle. It's similar to when a player on the bench says, put me in, coach. Likewise, our self, our self constantly says, put me in. Let me solve it for you. Our natural impulse is to put self in the game right away. But spiritual maturity as a child of the king now involves resisting those impulsive urges and instead relying on him who loves us and gave himself for us. The, the entrance into Christianity is one thing. The life of a Christian is another. Get it? Remember what I just said that? What did I just say? The entrance into Christianity is one thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you're in. The life of a Christian is another. It's easy, the easy part is accepting Christ as Savior, right? Agreed? The hard part is saying no to the self day in and day out. It's the difference between a one-time decision and a way of life. When you get saved, that's a one-time decision. After that, it becomes a way of life as you grow in Christ. It's easier to make New Year's resolutions. The hard part is relying upon the right person to bring the results, which is Jesus Christ. So, who will be the key to your improvements in the new year? And are you ready to press on with Christ, even when the initial excitement of the decision has turned into a daily reality of saying no to your old life? The mental discipline necessary to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is not something self can produce. Okay? But God will produce new results this year in those who learn the secret which the Apostle Paul learned in his life. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Amen? Now, so are you in it for the long haul? Let me ask you this. Are you in it for the long haul? Or are you just going to sit down here, come to church, put money in, and just live the way the world lives and be miserable till you go home to be with them? I don't know about you, but life is short, and I want the best God has to offer me. And all, he has, all I have to do is put it in his hands. It's that simple, but yet that hard. Well, listen, are you just for the initial excitement of making a new decision, like getting saved? Is that it? 
All right, last, last one. Matthew 6, 33. Now, this is the biggest one. This is the challenge of the new year coming up. And I really mean to really put this to the test. Really go for this now. God knows what's in your heart, so he'll know if you're ready to do this or not. Look at Matthew 6, verse 33. You ready for this challenge? Okay. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. What he's saying is put God first. I really mean it. And live righteously or his righteousness. See, his righteousness causes us to live right. Okay? That's what it means. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today is trouble enough for today. So my challenge to you is as we go into this new year, will you seek God's answers and his will for every situation in your life, thought, word, and deed, and really put it to the test, and then see what the result is going to be. Amen? If you really do that, really put him first. And let me tell you something. God is no joke. He knows if you mean it or not. And that doesn't mean going to church every Sunday and putting money in the basket. That doesn't what it means. It means that you're going to seek him in every decision in your life. When you're ready to throw your anger at somebody. When you're ready to think hatred of someone. When you're ready to be resentful towards somebody and jealous of someone. Are you going to give it to him first and seek his counsel before it starts taking hold and causes a root of bitterness in your soul. And then you'll see the prosperity of the Lord working in your life. Amen? It doesn't work any other way. He knows what's in your mind, and He knows what's in your heart. Can I get an amen for that? All right, thank you for letting me share that. This new year's coming is going to be awesome. Thank you very much. Brittany's going to come up and close, and we're going to sing. Thank you. Remember to put God first.